Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey guys, thanks for joining us. I'm Sierra. And I'm Kelsey. And this is Basic Murder Babes. Uh, What episode are we on now? (laughs) This is episode 28? 28 or 30. (laughs) One of the two. I know it's an even number. Yeah. All right. Uh, This week is going to be a little different than usual. I am going to tell you about a murder, but most of the story actually focuses on the courts after the crime. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Most of the information I got comes from a book that I read called Anatomy of Injustice by Raymond Bonner. And if you like court and law stuff, then this book and this episode you are going to love. Um, So especially Sylvia. Shout out to Sylvia. I know you like that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I'm going to start by telling you about the three most important people regarding the crime scene. So, let's set the scene for Greenwood, South Carolina, 1982. In a small, tight-knit community lived Dorothy Edwards. She was a 76-year-old widow Her husband had died a few years before, which led her to become very crafty. She would say her brains were in her fingers because she became so good at making things like rugs with yarn. Hmm. She was a sweet little old lady, but she was also pretty tough. She was short and small and in shape, and once when the power went out in the winter, she jumped rope for warmth. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. She could easily pass for 56. Dorothy also had a serious boyfriend in another state. But in the state with her, her dear friend and neighbor, Jimmy Holloway, helped her out with errands and things. Jimmy Holloway, also 76, had been her friend for a very long time, like 36 years. Jimmy and his wife and Dorothy and her husband used to all hang out together. When Dorothy's husband died, Jimmy decided he needed to take care of Dorothy. Jimmy would get groceries for her, he would help her with work around the house, he would bring in her mail, and he would just hang out with her. They liked to have drinks together. Jimmy even had a key to Dorothy's house. Hmm. People in the neighborhood thought maybe they were having an affair. Jimmy was still married, and Dorothy had a serious boyfriend, but she and Jimmy were really, really close. Okay, one more person before we get to the crime. Edward Lee Elmore was only 23 in 1982, and he was the neighborhood handyman. He would clean the gutters or the windows or even paint for many people in the elderly neighborhood. Edward had a hard start to his life when his mother was diagnosed with toxemia when when she was pregnant with him. 
which at the time meant that this baby would probably be born with a mental disorder. Hmm. When Edward was two, his dad died in a car accident, in a, a hit and run, and police never found the driver. Hmm. Edward was one of 11 children his mother had, so the family was very poor. Um, they would move from house to house after being evicted many times. The kids didn't go to school often because they were trying to help make money. And Edward didn't do well in school anyway. He was in first grade for three years without passing. Jeez. When he finally made it to second grade, an IQ test determined he had mild mental retardation. By the time he finally advanced to third grade, he was 12 years old. <gasps> oh, my God. Stop yeah. it. It's so sad. That is so sad. <laughs> He dropped out for good at about 14 or 15, reading at only a second grade level. And then he went to work. As an adult, Edward got a girlfriend, and he began making good money as a handyman. His mom and his girlfriend helped him out handling his money for him, since he wasn't very good at it. But he would go out to work, make good money, bring it back home, and he was doing really well for himself. Alright, so let's talk about the crime. On a Sunday afternoon in January 1982, Jimmy Holloway and another neighbor called the police to report a murder. Jimmy said that Dorothy Edwards was dead in her home. He said that he noticed Saturday's and Sunday's newspapers in Dorothy's driveway, as well as her car, so he grabbed the papers and took them inside. He said when he walked up, the back door was already open. The TV guide was pulled up to the Saturday information... The TV was blaring loud, Dorothy's 7 o'clock alarm was going off, and the coffee pot had burned. Like, burned the coffee, right. not like caught on fire. Right, gotcha. <laughs> he said he started moving through the house looking for Dorothy, but when he saw blood, he decided to leave and grab a neighbor before looking any further. He and a neighbor came back. Jimmy now had gloves on. And he opened the closet door near the blood and saw the body of Dorothy Edwards. That's when they called the police. When the police came in, Jimmy, who was a uh, county councilman and a very well-liked community man, showed them all around the scene. The kitchen was cleaned up nice, the dishes were done, and Dorothy's alcohol was empty. A picture was taken of the alcohol bottle that had a fingerprint on it, but it wasn't dusted. Hmm. There were bloody shoe prints on the carpet in the house, but the print wasn't cut up and brought to the station. Jimmy told the police the living room is where Dorothy kept her clutch purse, and it was missing. Walking through the house, there didn't seem to be signs of a struggle left, but like it had been cleaned up, until they got to the bedroom. There were things strewn about the room, like a battery, a penny, some tissues, a coupon, all things that were probably once in her missing purse. Hmm. A bloody cake spatula was laying on top of some folded laundry, like it was neatly placed there. Her $10,000 ring and other jewelry was still there, so it didn't seem like it could have been a robbery. The bed seemed like... It was just recently made, but moved over out of place just a little. Dorothy's body was in a closet, but most of the blood was outside of the closet, and there was no blood trail from the 
spot to the closet. So it was most, she was most likely moved from the bedroom floor where she bled and then moved to the closet. Hmm. Dorothy had 52 wounds on her body. Jeez. Some from before death and some from after. She had 13 broken ribs. She was bruised all over. Her ear was almost torn off. Her hair was matted in blood. She had been stabbed and possibly sexually assaulted. Dang. She was also found with a bloody boot in between her legs in the closet. The boot was never taken for evidence. What? Yeah. The two weapons that were found to be used the most were a pair of needle-nose pliers and some bar tongs, like, that are used to grab ice when you're making a drink. Right. Jimmy also led the police to where he saw Dorothy's checkbook lying on the ground. Jimmy said he thought the murderer's name would be in that book. Jimmy called Dorothy's only daughter and told her, I'm sorry to tell you, your mother's dead. This confused her daughter because Dorothy was supposed to be driving out of state to her boyfriend's house that day. They were going to get married. Oh, no. Jimmy also answered Dorothy's phone when her supposed future husband called and said, Dorothy's not here. She's dead. The last check that Dorothy had written was for $43 to her handyman, Edward Lee Elmore, two weeks prior, and the police set out to find him. When they did, they asked him about his weekend. They talked to his mother and his girlfriend. It turns out that on Saturday after working, Edward had gone to his girlfriend's house, took off his shirt either to try to seduce her or to make a point that he was staying the night, and his girlfriend threw his shirt in the trash because she was mad at him and didn't want him staying there that night. When he refused to leave, she left instead. Edward says he slept there all night, but he was alone for two hours, so no one could corroborate his alibi. Based on this information and the information seen, taken, and told by Jimmy at the crime scene, the police came to their conclusion. Saturday night, Dorothy was watching TV when her handyman, Edward Lee Elmore, knocked on the door. Dorothy trusted him, so she let him in. Edward raped and killed Dorothy, left out the back door where a fingerprint of his was found, and then went back to sleep at his girlfriend's house. So, what do you think so far? But do you agree with them? I'm just if all thinking... of this information was given to your jury, would you convict Edward Lee Elmore? Well, I would be like, but why? Why did we come to this conclusion out of, like, the world? Why this one guy that was at her house two weeks ago? Yeah, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. What? What is the motive here? He didn't steal anything. He wasn't yeah. there for money. She's an old lady, so it's not like she's... I mean, I know she can pass for 56, but it's not like she's some hot tail, you know? Like, <laughs> right. So, I don't I don't get it. So... I think a lot of people had the same questions that you asked. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll talk about his trial. Okay. We'll be right back. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of 
dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. All right, we are back and let's get into it. When Edward was taken into custody, his shoes and his jeans were taken and the officers took a sample of his pubic hair. The explanation for this was that the coroner had found hairs on Dorothy's body. Later, the agents who examined these hairs found on her body said it was actually not hair at all. It was just blue fibers. But the police had also then brought into evidence for the trial the jeans and the shoes. Now the jeans and the shoes had blood on them. And they said that there was pubic hair found on Dorothy's bed. There was no pictures or chain of custody for any of this, but there it was bagged in evidence. So usually if you find some hair on a bed, you take a picture of it, right? Yeah. If you see blood on the jeans, you take a picture of it. Right. There's no pictures of anything, but they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we found it though. That's weird. You need to document yeah. your findings the per- correct right. way. So, the case is shoddy already, but the trial was even more so. First off, everyone in the small town knew about the case. The newspapers had also already decided that Edwards was guilty before the trial started. And And if they were telling people that he was guilty, what are people reading it supposed to think? The judge's job is to get an unbiased jury to hear the trial. One of the jury members was... The prosecutor's best friend's dad. Mm. So, like, that is not unbiased at all. Mm, That's not good. (laughs) Another one of them was Dorothy's neighbor, who was also really good friends with an agent who was on the case. Super not unbiased. And the rest of the jury members weren't really unbiased either. They, They were all just terrible. It sounds like this is a small town. It definitely is. Okay. Edward was given two lawyers to defend him at the same time because the state was going after a death sentence. You automatically get two lawyers instead of one. Honestly, he wasn't educated enough to know if they were good or bad lawyers, so let me just tell you, they were bad lawyers. Hmm. Neither of them believed Edward was innocent. What happened to innocent until proven guilty? Right. One of them, Gettys Anderson, was a drunk. He was charged with drunk drunk driving twice, and he was always drunk or hungover at Edward's trials. What the heck? Yeah. The other job even work. I don't. I don't even know. Like this is only eighty two. It wasn't that long ago. Right. I I guess small towns are different. You know. Hmm. The other, John Beasley, didn't care much for being a lawyer. He openly said that his favorite day of the week was his off day. 
<laughs> Which I mean, same, <laughs> right? But you're a lawyer. Like you literally have someone's actual life in your hands, right? Like exactly. Maybe you should pick a different job. Yeah, for sure. Edward's lawyers never talk to any witnesses, never talk to any neighbors, never talk to any experts. They didn't ask to see the chain of custody for random new evidence. They never even tried to challenge the prosecutors. What kind of lawyers are these? Ones that just sit there and watch it like it's a TV show, apparently. Yeah. In this trial in April of 1982... Edward Lee Elmore was found guilty and sentenced to death. With a death sentence, though, there are many appeals to be worked through. So, second trial, Edward asked for different appointed lawyers. Yeah. But the judge said that his lawyers have already been working on this case the whole time, and new ones would take too long to get up to speed, so these same lawyers will do just fine. Hmm. Yeah. They did great the first time. (laughs) Right. The second trial went exactly the same as the first one. No challenging the prosecution from the defense. And in the same amount of days and the same amount of hours, Edward again was found guilty and sentenced to death. Dang. The third trial was held in a different city, finally, about 30 minutes away because everyone in town was biased one way or the other. Right. The lawyer who didn't care about his job was caught talking badly about Edward, so he was actually removed from this case, and a new lawyer was provided. This new lawyer, Billy Garrett, actually believed Edward was innocent, but he was like the kind of backup lawyer. So when you have two lawyers, both of them work together, but one of them does the case. He wasn't the one who actually, like, does it. He was just, like, the one who was there. Yeah. Um, Billy Garrett asked the judge to remove the main lawyer, the drunk, so that he could have someone else to work with. But the judge said no and asked the drunk lawyer to just please watch his drinking. (laughs) Again, the drunk lawyer... Right? (laughs) Like, what? Just, just, just be careful, okay? You can drink, (laughs) but be careful. Yeah, just, I mean, come on. Conceal it a little bit, buddy. (laughs) Again, the drunk did not challenge a single thing that the prosecutors brought up, and Edward was sentenced to death. His death date was set for May of 1987. Billy Garrett was completely changed after sitting on that case. He no no longer believed in the justice system or the death sentence. He knew that Edward was innocent, and still the prosecution was able to convince now 36 people that he deserved to die in three unfair trials. A third appeal was denied. Dang. Yeah. All right, let me take a drink real quick. Okay. So this is when another very important person to the story comes in. Diana Holt has a story so crazy that she could literally have her own episode. Maybe one day she will on like a bonus or a Patreon episode or something. But Hmm. as it pertains to the case, I'm only going to briefly cover her past. Diana survived child abuse, domestic abuse, drug abuse, a felony prison charge, and attempted murder. 
before finally deciding that she wanted to become a lawyer because that was the best way she could help others. Okay. She lived in Texas when she started law school, and in her second year, she took an internship as a death row lawyer in South Carolina. It was here that she first learned about Edward Lee Elmore's case. She knew, before even talking to Edward, by just looking over the transcripts of the three trials, that he wasn't given a fair trial, and that if he had been, he would be proven innocent. She worked on the case with Edward all summer, and when it was time to go back to Texas, after the summer was over, she would travel to and from South Carolina every month to continue working with him. Eventually, she decided to just uproot and move to South Carolina, and she was accepted and approved to transfer her credits from Texas to continue her law degree in South Carolina for the purpose of working on this specific case. So this case was, like, so important to her. She was like, you know what? My life in Texas doesn't matter. This case matters. Yeah, that's crazy. While working on Edward's case, Diana applied for stays and appeals over and over every time new evidence emerged. Once, she interviewed Jimmy Holloway, Dorothy's neighbor, who found her dead. Jimmy talked so much, like an alarming amount, to Diana. He told her that the people in the neighborhood thought he and Dorothy were having an affair. He said that he is the only one who could have gotten away with killing her because she trusted him so much. Whoa. He talked, yeah. He talked about the crime in detail, saying she would have felt this way and she was in pain for probably this many minutes before finally dying. Who talks like this? Listen. <laughs> the whole time he talked about it, he never cried and his voice never changed. He didn't seem sad at all that his friend, who he had known for 36 years, had been murdered right next door. Yeah. This conversation definitely wasn't evidence or enough information to use to get a new trial, but more and more came about while Diana was digging, and she was very suspicious of Jimmy Holloway. I was at the beginning, just yeah. because he's the person that, like, found her. And how convenient that he walked into her house and was like, no, nah, I'm going to go find someone else to help Let me, me find go her. get a neighbor before right. I find this. That right there was like, mm. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so this is just some of the new stuff that was found that Diana dug up. There was a prison informant that spoke in all three trials. He said that Edward told him he killed and raped Dorothy and then washed up. This prison informant, years later, came to Diana and told her that he lied. He He said that he didn't want it on his conscience anymore. So he went to a request for appeal trial and sat before the judge. The prosecution tried to scare him out of it and told him that if he admitted he lied, that could be a perjury charge and he could go back to jail. The informant said he didn't care. He said he didn't want an innocent man to die because of them, because of him. And he said that he lied so that he could get a shorter sentence. He said he only said what the police asked him to say. Whoa. Even with this information, a new trial was denied by the courts. Next, Diana had an unbiased medical examiner look at the autopsy findings, and the new examiner said that there was less than a 1% chance that Dorothy died on Saturday, 
but a 99% chance that she actually died on Sunday morning when Edward had an alibi. Mm. The old examiner was questioned about this and said it was hard to tell the difference between arthritis and rigor mortis. And really, the time of death was based mostly on what the police said about the scene, about the Sunday morning alarm going off, about the TV guide showing uh, Saturday's schedule. But the police based all of that information on Jimmy's statement, not proof. Yeah. Still, the courts denied a new trial. Then Diana brought up to the courts that the jeans and the shoes with blood on them were not photographed or bagged or reported through chain of custody. It was examined and said to have type A blood on it, Dorothy's blood type, but also Edward's brother's blood type, who he shared clothes with, and it was only teeny tiny drips of blood on the jeans. According to the crime scene, there should have been much more blood. Hair evidence, supposedly Edward's pubic hairs, that were found on Dorothy's bed, was never properly sealed, photographed, or kept up with. In the list of evidence that was recorded being taken from Dorothy's house, the hair wasn't mentioned. And two fingerprints collected from the house didn't match Dorothy or Edward and weren't tested against anyone else. Jimmy's fingerprints were never even taken. This information was brought about in 1996 after many requests for new trials, and this time the court stated that with this information, Edward might actually be innocent. But since three juries had already decided he was guilty, justice had been done and no new trial was granted. Ouch. That sucks. Yeah. Like, the lawyer, not the lawyer, the judge literally said, he might be innocent, but there's no new trial. Yeah. He was convicted three times. Yeah, I was like, oh well, too bad. So Mm -hmm. sad. Still trying, Diana asked for the police department to hand over all evidence collected in the case to the court. Much of the evidence was missing. The hairs that the coroner found on the body that was said to just be blue fibers were finally found in a filing cabinet of one of the agents. It had been there for 16 years. Oh my god. When it was re-examined, it was found to be easily identifiable as hair, not fibers. And it was a white hair, not the reddish-brown color Edward had. Hmm. This had never been used in the trials because it was said to be just fibers and not important. Other things that weren't mentioned in the trials was a cutout of Dorothy's carpet, Dorothy's robe, and a piece of gum in Dorothy's backyard. The hairs were sent for DNA testing. It was now 2000, so that was a thing. And the hairs came back as some matching Dorothy's and one belonging to a male. They just knew it was a male and it wasn't Dorothy's, and it wasn't a male related to Dorothy. Um, At this request for a new trial, Diana... And Edward, who was now 42, he got sent to prison when he was 23. Wow. Um, They thought this trial would be the day of victory, but still, the request for a new trial was denied. In 2001, running out of ideas and time, Diana asked that Jimmy Holloway's body be exhumed for DNA testing. He had died in 1994 at the age of 88. 
This request was denied, as Diana assumed it would be, but the request request sparked heat with Jimmy's son, and his son put out an article in the newspaper claiming the innocence of his father, saying his father was too old and too weak to have been able to hurt, rape, or move Dorothy. But if he was too old and too weak, why was he, like, Dorothy's keeper? Why did he do the groceries for her and the heavy lifting? Right. And, yeah, like, no, he's not too weak. No. In 2004, after this last denial, Diana went to court again to request a new trial, claiming that even though 36 jur- jurors found Edward guilty, not a single one of them was shown all of the evidence that there was in this trial case because it was never a fair trial. They asked for just one fair trial for Edward, and they asked that the blood evidence claimed to be on Edward's clothes be DNA tested. It was known to be type A, but now they they could DNA test it against Dorothy's DNA. Edward had only 30 days left until his execution, and the court decided that they would do DNA testing to test the blood and to test that one male hair against Edward's hair. He was still not allowed to have a new trial, though. Since they approved the DNA testing, Diana requests for another stay for Edward, which was approved, so he would not be executed yet. That's good. Yeah, so far. So many years, though. This happened in 1982, and we're on 2001. Yeah. Oh, 2004, actually. Okay. 2007 now, the DNA finally came back. The blood on Edward's pants and shoes did belong to Dorothy. But Mm. the hair did not belong to Edward. This did not look good for Edward, so Diana had to think of a new way to save him. It is considered unconstitutional to sentence to death a guilty person if they are intellectually disabled. This idea was never looked into before because Edward's first lawyer said that he was perfectly educated and sane. Diana decided to have a psychologist go in and test Edward. The psychologist determined that Edward was medically mentally retarded, and after 27 years there, he was removed from and never again allowed to be placed on death row. Wow. Edward was now sentenced to life in prison, but at least he didn't have to worry about being executed anymore. Yeah. (sighs) Without having such a time crunch on keeping Edward alive, Diana focused now on how to get him out. She pieced together all of the evidence and ideas that would explain away any incriminating thing against Edward. The blood on his belongings, for instance, she said was planted. How else would only a few eyedropper-sized drips get on the pants and shoes? Why did the hair evidence that did not belong to Edward go missing for... 16 years, and why was it first considered to be fiber when you could see clear as day that it was hair? Why was the pubic hair that was supposedly found on the bed not photographed? Why was the bed not photographed at all if there was evidence on it? Why did they ever arrest and charge Edward with this crime in the first place without any probable cause? Why did his first lawyer not challenge anything the prosecution said? Their job is to state all of the facts, prove his innocence, but they, but instead they let the state accuse him over and over in front of the jury without ever stepping in to correct their accusations. In 2010, 
Diana brought all of this to the courts again, and this time they offered him an Alfred plea. This would mean that he can leave jail as a free man, claiming he is innocent, but knowing that there is still proof that a jury could and did once find him guilty based on evidence. But at last, after 30 years behind bars, Edward Lee Elmore was released from prison at the age of 53. Wow. Sadly, just six years of freedom. Edward passed away due to his declining health, but his family is so happy that he died as a free man and believes he is truly free now. Yeah, seriously. Unfortunately, we still don't know who Dorothy's real killer is. Because Edward took the Alfred plea, the case is considered closed. Maybe someone will decide to reopen it or put that one stray hair into the DNA system waiting for familial DNA. But probably not. And even if they did, one hair doesn't prove guilt. The poor woman will probably never have real justice because the case was botched from the start. Yeah. It really was. Whew. And that's the super, but at least he got free, story of Edward Lee Elmore and poor Dorothy Edwards. Yeah. Aww, Gosh. Dorothy. I know. I really think that, I hate to talk ill of the dead, but Jimmy Holloway, I mean, they were having an affair. He found out she was about to get married. And he got a little yeah. angry. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it seems like to me. It definitely does seem that way. So, maybe that's what happened, and we'll never know, but, oh, Lord. Yeah. That's really sad. Crazy. All right, now tell me yeah. something happy, because this is depressing. Hmm, something happy. I really don't have much happy. Um, the only thing I've been doing lately is a lot of online shopping, so I'm getting a bunch of new clothes, so that's... always good to me yeah so i don't know that's about my only happy right now the only thing is it takes forever for online shipping oh my gosh i know even with amazon prime it's like a whole month yeah seriously it's like this used to come to me the next day literally a, a week it takes a week to get something i'm like i get it but come on yeah I'm not even going to get into it because then we're just going to be talking about things we don't want to talk about. Yeah. But I'm just ready to get my new clothes. That's it. So that's my happy for this week. I <laughs> <New> understand. <laughs> um, I have been on my little workout kick thing for two weeks now. Woo-hoo! Today is officially the end of the second week. And it's not fun, but it's keeping me sane. And I did treat myself after the first week to some new clothes as well. Um, they have not come in the mm, mail yet. Nice. So I don't know if they're going to fit. Still waiting on those. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I hope they fit. And then the second week, I treated myself to a new car. That was a little Woo! crazy of me. Grown up. <laughs> You're such a grown up lady now. <laughs> well, it's not really new. It's a 2007. That's how I do. Hey. It's newer than your other car. My other car was in 2002, so I upgraded so, five okay. years. 
Yay. Moving up in the world. <laughs> and it's fancy. It it's is a fancy, fancy brand. I like it a lot. It's all-wheel drive, and it's like a car. So it's perfect. Yeah. Like, I needed a car because I travel way too much to visit family. But I also needed all-wheel drive because it's snowy and mountainy here. And yeah. so, yeah. This one was perfect. It has a sunroof and navigation and heated seats Ooh. and cooled seats so I can have air conditioner on my butt. Fancy. Yeah. Yes. It has all the things. And I bought it cash, so I'm proud. That's awesome. It was Good job. really sad letting all that cash go, but... <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have payments. Yeah, so, paid for. So good enough. Be happy about that. Yes. Um, I also bought some patio furniture because... There's nothing else to do right now but sit outside. So, yeah, there's nothing else to do but buy things yeah. online. <laughs> <laughs> but at least that's, that's okay. in my world. Yeah, same. Oh man. Well, that was fun. I wish we had something mm-hmm. more fun, fun to talk about at the end this week, but yeah. I didn't look Sorry, anything guys. up. Nothing's going on in the world. Nothing <laughs> exciting is going about. on. And Nothing. a lot of unexciting things are going on, like all my final right. projects for school. So, yeah. yeah. If you would help us out and send us some ideas, then we would totally talk about them. You can send yes. them to our email which is basicmbpodcast at gmail.com. Or mm-hmm. where else? You can go to our Instagram page and... Page? Instagram page? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you can go yeah. to our Instagram page and um, DM us if you want. It's basic underscore murder underscore babes. And we also have a Facebook group, which is... Um, basic murder fans. <laughs> yes. Uh, we haven't had you very guys, much. Obviously, we don't rehearse. And we really don't. So. We really don't. Sorry. <laughs> Probably could, and it might sound better. But what's the fun in that? Truly, what is the fun of knowing what you're about to say? <laughs> not fun. Not us. Nope. <laughs> All right, well, until next week. Peace over murder. Peace over murder. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.